Hour. Yes, sir. So, John, real quick, do you do you want to handle the the introduction? You want to? So, oh yeah. So, welcome to another episode of You, Me, and Lore. Today, we are covering more of Halo Oblivion. So, as we know, the official sub summary. It reads that it's the year 2526. It's been more than a year since humanity first encountered the hostile military alliance of alien races known as the Covenant. This is an unfamiliar territory for me. So I'm going to have you uh, describe more of what's going on here since I'm still new. I'm still learning more of the Halo stuff, but it's your boy clean. No, it's not. I hate, I hate that. I am not your That's boy. Not. You fucking liar. Oh, man. You fucking He's not your friend, liar. bud. <laughs> I'm not your pal. What is that? I'm not your pal guy. Don't call me bud, pal. Oh, I messed it up. You, no. You, you're just not that guy, pal. You're just not that guy. You're just not that guy. <laughs> oh, boyos. So it's been a while since we came into Halo. But, uh, yep, so that's John. And then over there in the other corner, we got Ken Dog. Say hi to the friends. Hello, hello. And look at my man staking the claim on his introduction. I love it. Yeah, man. Way to go and swing for it. I tried, man. You know, you know, you know oh, what they say? they say? If they ask you a question, even if it's wrong, sound confident because then they just might think you're right anyway. Yeah, bro. Literally how I've got the man out here doing the Trey songs. Just dive in. That's it. Pair that with a uh, what was it? A bad decision is better than indecision. Ooh. I like that. Yeah, and you fucking. Pff, you're I like played. that because it kind of plays into chapter ten for tonight. Ooh, it does. Yeah, there's right? a there's a quote that John drops, and I'm like, damn, that makes a lot of sense. So where we left off is, um, I'm not gonna say the Spartans failed a mission per se in the past. I'm just gonna say they didn't do too hot with it's, it. It's like a fighting game; they timed out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so they moved on from that little event. Uh, they met up with what's the cap? Is it a captain? I always forget her rank, Kendall. Um. So yes, Petrov is a lieutenant commander. However, for the chapter, she's a captain, and I think for the sake of how we've been moving, we'll just keep calling her a captain, just so that way we're not confusing anybody. So her and her her. I guess you would call him a legion of troops. Alexander have it, Alexander Petrov. Is that? Oh no, Alexander. Alexander. Yeah, she's a lady. Okay, okay. 
Mm, she's rolling with a first oh, battalion. So- Sonja? So- so- Sonja? You are getting me all jacked up. <laughs> Hold on. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where are these Russian names coming from, John? Are you a spy? <laughs> I you said you said the name Pe- Petrov, right? Yes. All right. So I looked up. I was looking up Petrov. I was just trying to young Jamie this, and I just I can't I can't find no other Petrov. So that's why I asked. Oh well, uh, a twin sister. Sonja is that the name of the character? Sonja Petrov. So the name of the character. Is Amelia. Amelia Petrov. Yep, Amelia Petrov. A M A L E A. That is the name of the, the woman accompanying John on his uh bonus mission. That's totally not a trap. But it's a trap. Totally not a trap. John knows it's a trap, by the way. Basically, it's everybody but Petrov. No, isn't it? no, 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 no. Remember, everybody knows it's a trap. They're like, we just don't care about your safety. We, it, it just has to get done. That's it. Because Halsey <laughs> has to be like, y'all, we don't care. You're gonna go. <laughs> it's your, it's your thing now. <laughs> but real quick for for John and in the recap, remember we left off with um, Fred watching the greatest fireworks display known to humankind. Yeah, and, and trying to taste it. Okay, okay. Do we have a year for that? Yeah, so it is uh, 2526. We are in 2526. They're on the planet Netherop. I can butcher that. Netherop, thank you. Right now, currently, they are in the Devil's Canyon by the Forgotten Highway. And currently, the team, Chief... Kelly, Linda, they're inside a culvert, hanging on for dear life after the uh, explosion of the nuke. And there's a ton of Marines that's fallen into the culvert right now. They actually got to get ready to catch them. Literally catch them. Yeah, that's where yeah. we're starting. So it's there's like no rest. <laughs> we have no idea what the fuck happened to Fred. And like immediately they got to they have to catch. Let me see. Two, one. They need to catch six Marines. Yep. As they're as they're flying, literally flying through the air from the fucking discharge of this explosion. Because they blew up their ship, right? Uh-huh, yeah. So they uh they activated it with a um a fury nuke. So actually I got a little yep. lore for y'all. Ooh. Yeah. Do tell. All right, so real quick, just a little background on this nuke. So the Fury Tactical Nuclear Weapon is a battlefield. Um, nuclear weapon used by the UNSC. It is considered a nuclear grenade. And then the best part, it is literally shaped like a football. So it has, it's, it's, the yield is slightly less than one megaton. So when it ignites, that's about 80 miles gone, just taken care of. Holy cow. And it'll leave a crater that's 60 meters deep and 400 meters wide. And then the the heat flash, it will like completely incinerate everything within two kilometers. Which is why Kelly was the one that had to run. Well, I'll be damned. And then the last part, the first visual appearance of the Fury was in the uh, Halo Reach commercial. 
Was it really? Mm. That's the first time it ever came out. Halo Reach was the first um, Halo game that I played, actually, and what brought me into this act of the series. I'm a late bloomer. That's going to be fun. We, we have to stream that. Yeah, Reach is going to be one of the better ones. Reach is one of my favorites. Yeah. I still say three takes the cake for me, though. It's a good ending. It ended. It, it's, it's a, a good, good ending. ending. Defined good. Left mystery. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a solid sci-fi ending. It was. It was a very, it was very well done. Just everything in general. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so real quick, um, that's what they used to, to blow up the ship. And freaking what else happened in there that I was pretty tight about it? Um, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll bother, I'll bother it later. But no, go ahead, continue. Yeah, no, that's about it. Because uh, they had to blow it up. So basically they waited until the last minute to blow their ship because they have to scuttle everything, right? They can't let the Covenant get a hold of any of their systems. Uh, that's I don't believe it's called the Cole Protocol yet, but it's essentially like one of the protocols that have come down from the UNSC is no matter what, like, I don't care. Don't, it doesn't matter how many people get harmed in the way. The number one goal is to make sure the Covenant never find out where Earth is. Because like, then we'll never win. Like, we will never win this war if the Covenant find Earth simply because they will fucking destroy it. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. So the best way to do it, like, operate is if you are about to get captured, you know, blow the ship. Blow everything. Don't ever let any data get taken. So what they did was they kind of waited till the last minute to do this, to throw off this nuke and uh, detonate it until, like, a whole bunch of Covenant were investigating the crash. And that was also buying time for John to kind of run around and uh, create a I guess a makeshift barrier out of the landscape to protect as many as the of the Marines with them as possible. And uh, they just blew it. And right before they blew it, Fred was out there doing his thing. And Fred was like, hold up, I see a kid. And everybody was like, "Mm, too bad. So Fred tried to like tell his kid to get down. And uh, yeah, no, he he couldn't do it. The world faded to black at that point for Fred. Yeah. And also, too, for anybody that's listening, I don't, I don't know if people know what a culvert is, but it's, it's just a tunnel for like streams, or it's like an open drain under a road or a railroad. Just for, yeah. it's those weird pipes mm-hmm. and ditches. Now, just imagine a big, a big one. A big one, but um, oh, you've yeah. seen them, huge, or Ninja Turtles. Just think Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I know. But uh, no. So. We're picking up in chapter, chapter nine, nine, which is June seventh, twenty five, twenty six. Yeah, so but um, oh my, yeah, it's the same day. It's literally, it's literally been the same day in the whole story. Yep. By the it's way, it's been a rough fucking day. Yeah, and then we're gonna we're picking up with chapter nine. We're gonna rock out nine and ten once again. The sources for this because I know we we haven't sourced anything in uh, like two months because we've been so focused on Death Stranding. Uh, the source for this one is Halo Oblivion, and it is written by Troy Denning, and it's a solid book, and I definitely recommend everybody read it. Oh, we we got a couple more. Halo, definitely using Halopedia. Shout out to them for a little bit of help just for the research, just to confirm some things. And this is more because it's it's referenced in multiple things, 
So you just see Halo Fall of Reach, um, Halo 1, Halo 4. Trying to think. Uh, we're actually going to reference something from the New York Times as well. I also would like to add that uh, the Halo Oblivion is 4.7 out of seven, out of 5 stars on Amazon. Uh, it's definitely a read. So after after seeing that, you know, I would second what Brandon was saying. It's definitely it's definitely uh, caught the attentions of many of the fans in this in this world. Yeah, Troy Denning is a best selling author. He's just I'm gonna warn you, and I, I know I say it all the time. He is a slow burn author, so don't expect a lot of things to happen all at once. I don't re- it's very much read. it's very much like real life where it's a long periods of like build up and then like everything happens really quickly yeah. after. Is it and, and you tell me if I'm wrong for this. The pacing of this book reminds me of uh the fucking Michael B. Jordan fucking Rainbow Six movie. I don't remember that. What's it called? Just it's just in terms of like pacing. Got you, hang on. Oh, clean Jamie, ladies and gentlemen. Do your job, Jamie. Clean Jamie, ladies and gentlemen. He on it. Without remorse. Without yes, it, it reminded me of the pacing of without, um, excuse me, without remorse, where it could be really, really slow, and and then boom, it's like all right, we are in it, like high octane. Tears of the Sun was kind of like that too. Yeah, Bruce Willis, man. That's all his movies are like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're picking up with chapter nine. So Ken Dog. Yeah, man. Point. So it's funny. So as they're getting ready to catch all these wonderful Marines, uh, they do a quick little uh, checkup, right? So, and, and then their HUD is tight. So Linda kind of, she shows her green. Kelly shows her green. And Fred's is black. So for you guys, what do you, what do you think comes to mind when you think it's black for a Spartan? I can't, I can't say my oh, answer. You know. Yeah, you know, John. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Top, top secret. That is a wonderful answer. So black is good. That's that is a Spartan's best friend, especially in a situation like this. So black means condition unknown. Versus if it's red, because it means um, I'm, I'm Brandon, keep me honest. Critical damage or they're requesting backup. Like it, it's bad. So right now, Fred Fred is unknown. So I can't remember because I'm stuck on yellow. Isn't yellow? Um, I don't want to say caution. That's too cliche. I think it is, because um. But yeah, essentially, black is. We don't know. I, I thought it was simply like yeah, it's unknown. Like there's a. Uh, like something's wrong with the system and it's not. It's like system. Yeah, there's error. no read. There's no signal coming back. <laughs> error four or four. <laughs> it's <just> basically <laughs> the Wi-Fi is all error four or four. <laughs> Doesn't work. Damn it. They need to blow in the cartridge and try to put it back in. But either way, right? So not too much time left to think about it because now those marines are falling through, right? So John catches one, courtesy of her stopping right about at his shoulders. And then he catches another somehow, even though like the guy actually overshot and passed over John's long ass arms. Um, but he misses somebody. Linda reports back that she got one. And then Kelly's like, yo, guys, don't worry about it. I caught the last three. The only thing is I wish they would stop fucking fidgeting. 
and it's kind of funny because John take John kind of turns a little bit into a Chad in this chapter, but he's like taking charge for real, like he's manning up real hard. And then he immediately, as soon as she says that, he immediately orders them to stop moving. Like he tells them like to calm their shit. And then from there, they um they actually start climbing back up the uh the culvert. And then he actually he actually stops for a moment and he takes time to reach out to Fred. And Fred finally responds. And he uh he apologizes that he says that he took fucking he took the the blast or the shockwave to the chest. And the the cool thing about the Mjolnir armor, I believe we touched on it right when the kids got it, but there's a there's a kind of a gel inside of the armor that has multiple uses. Well, in the case of the blast, the um the gel in the armor hardened to the point where he couldn't move, but it would protect him from the blast and then anything in between. It's called and hydrostatic gel. Yes, thank you, John. You got it. My man out here. So that actually kept him alive. And remember in the previous chapter, he kind of hit his head. Clearly, this isn't going to help his situation. No, <laughs> no, it is not. And also, I have an answer for you. Black is confirmed. Status unknown. Red is where it's um, everything is fucked. Or there I'm we dead. go. There it is. Like red wow. is game over. <laughs> red is game over. <laughs> and, and, uh, but yeah, no. So when his shit went into it, basically his Mjolnir locked up and is seized up in order to protect Fred on the that inside. That shit said all control, uh, delete, and task, baby. Yeah, so uh, his status is now blinking yellow, which is um, help. <laughs> <laughs> yo, but so John is uh, a bit of an asshole, yo, because he's like, big man, how come you didn't take no cover? <laughs> right? He's like, this, well, it, it's fucked up, but at the same time, it kind of sets the stage, right? Because this kind of leads, like, this this whole chapter is kind of like, because we talk a lot of shit about Fred. <laughs> we talk mad shit. And the team does, too. And this is kind of like a lead up to like some of the other events. Like this is the first straw that gets put on the camel's back when it comes to uh, Fred and his uh, his adventure that he's about to go. <laughs> oh, Frederico. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now he's fine. Uh, basically, his in order to fight the pressure of the fury, his suit like pressurized really fast. So he was basically in a giant pressure bubble. And before he's able to move again, he just has to depressurize. And he's right now seeping that air back out of the suit. And that's just Gen 1. We're not even at Gen 5 yeah. of the armor, but at Gen 1, it's it's that capable. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has been, when you read Halsey's diary, it's something that she's always kind of experimented with, I guess. Yeah, it's one of her babies. Yeah, it really is. But anyway, no, 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 man, it's cool. It's the side commentary. It's beautiful. It's very interesting to me the how the gel works actually, and how um, it, it says how the how the gel it's supposed to be like a form of like under armor for the armor. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that's really cool though how they were able to find the technology. Um, I don't want to say like kind of like liquidy, but also kind of like I guess like a slime kind of that would actually help to absorb impact uh, during a major battle. Very smart. There's a lot of um, 
smart ideas in here and i think we could even like go into hydrogel at another point in time because there's a there is a little bit of a storyline that comes from yeah. like from hydro hydrostatic gel because it also it also has uh, a lot to do with their cooling system their heating and yeah, cooling i'm gonna have to look into some of the science behind this too that would be really cool i'm gonna get back to you on that report soon that's gonna be a deep dive there's a lot yeah. especially when yeah. you hit the ai yep yep yeah, yeah. The AI we we will get into in the main thing. The hydrostatic gel and other pieces of Mjolnir might be like a thirty minute bonus episode we do, just going over like the components. That's cool. And everything. That's really cool. If you get to AI, that could be a Tam, you, me, and Lore. Oh man, tie in a little, you know, Power the... Power Rangers, you know, super episode. You're giving me the jitters. Oh damn, Johnny Travolta, y'all. <laughs> But that also explains the uh, thermal, because remember we talked about how wasteland-like uh, Netheroth is, and that's why the Spartans are doing so much better than the Marines, is their gel is, they have, of course, like a heating and cooling system in the Mjolnir armor itself, but on top of that, the uh, the hydrostatic gel is also, what's the word I want, thermal resistant? So it, it kind of keeps a solid temperature throughout. You know what's the beauty of, of the squad is... That actually gets brought up later in this chapter. So that might be where I'm getting mm -hmm. it from. Yeah, look at you. You know how my notes go. They're uh they're they're not in order. <laughs> it's just like my brain. <laughs> it's a bunch of useless phrases tied this, uh, the, <laughs> on this a paper. Is a, is a little bit of the same too, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Organized chaos, gentlemen. So it's funny, just to like a little hint at it. So the Spartan, the, the Mjolnir armor has a, a reclamation system. So it is it is set up to survive in any environment. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna be one of our commenters now. Even the sun. Okay. Um at <laughs> nine I already know how the comments at, I've read at them. Nine twenty eight PM <laughs> Kenny Kenny Gomez made a false statement. Um <laughs> the statement is no in no reflection of you, me and Lore. How's it feel to be me? <laughs> oh no, I, my head's shinier. I'll tell you that. I'm a little bit taller. But no, you're not. Shut up. I feel this. I feel this pain. <laughs> almost every you other you day. literally asked me because <laughs> it's been so long since you see me, saw me in person. You asked me when I got some. Yo, for tall. real. I don't know what it was. <laughs> man. I'm not that tall. <laughs> Maybe, the, I think the South like sucked your height away. <laughs> <laughs> just like you 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 were a shorter man in the south <laughs> no you were just taller <laughs> but you had to be to survive that area <laughs> yo for real oh man y'all if, if if your if your melanin is not a particular shade don't do not stop in the rural parts of alabama <laughs> so anyway uh yeah fred yeah so yeah, Lock so jaw. Fred needs a tetanus shot. Well, my man got he got what he got karate chopped by Andre the Giant. So he finally reports back in, <laughs> and he's like, "Look, y'all, by the way, there were kids there." And John is looking at Kelly like, "Yo, I know he hit his head. I know things haven't been going well." Just got news. Just like I don't, I don't, I don't think he's seeing straight. 
So John kind of gives Kelly that look, and Kelly's like, yo, he's really gonna, he's really gonna bring this up again. And I like how he looks over at Kelly and Kelly puts her hands up as like not my fucking like monkey. not my monkeys, not my <laughs> like, I'm not dealing with I'm not dealing with this shit. <laughs> so yo, John goes full fucking like Sarge mode. He like he like he's low-key not having it just because of how the circumstances have turned out. He immediately jumps in, he's like, yo, where's your position? And then Fred's like, you know. I may have hit my head a few times. I know things are a little like funny. They're questionable, but they're only half a kilometer away. John pauses like real Denzel Washington training day. Like that's not what I asked you. Oh no. And yo, and Fred already knows like start playing your part. My man's like, yo, I'm 400 meters above you. I got blown into a gulch. And even Kelly's like, yo, uh, did you hit your head? <laughs> and Homeboy Homeboy over the cob says probably the worst answer he could have said. And he, goes, <laughs> he and he says Guys guys, you didn't tell me that Halo was a cob. Oh no, too. this day. It's just this squad. It's just this squad. It's only this squad has this banter. And Fred literally and I quote says, I remember hitting a lot of things. <laughs> It's the bad batch. That's what they are. Do oh real 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 quick stop. If you're not watching the bad batch, then start watching the bad batch just immediately. It's getting good. Is that, is, is that what these guys are technically though? Like are they like nah. the best? no nah. nah they're, they're just, a little blue teams nah. are their nah, own this thing. Is, this they're is their the, own thing. They're just yeah, talkative soldiers. Blue team is kind of the the pristine squad of They're varsity. Yeah, they're, they're the varsity oh, team. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But they're still, they still got that teenager mentality, and it's mostly because of Fred. I'm going to be honest with you. It's kind of Fred's personality. Well, Fred is definitely looks like oh a Oh, my baby. God. Yo, theory time. Theory time. Fucking blue hmm. team is based off the Fantastic Four. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay, so you got Fred, who is Johnny Blaze. Clearly, John is Mr. Fantastic. Yep. And then Kel would it be Kelly or Linda is the invisible woman? I would say Kelly is the invisible woman. Make it Linda. Yeah. Fucking uh, yeah, fucking uh it's 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 clobbering time. Tell me I'm wrong, y'all. Interesting. I I I, I, well, I see you. it, but I think it's a stretch. You're like, I think you could play you should probably be a boxer with a reach like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's that it's that Puerto Rico in me. And it's Ben Grimm. Good old Benny Blanco from the Bronx, yo. Yeah. Doesn't he get it on with, um, what's her name? Kitty? No, no, you're thinking Colossus. Colossus, Colossus, uh, yeah, Colossus was invading that, bro. Ben Grimm. No, it is Colossus, dude. I've I've kept up with the X-Men. He was with Alicia Masters. Yeah, Ben Grimm was. She was the the blind girl. Yeah, yeah. We we're wrapping up the Fantastic Four side quest theory, and we're going back to Fred. Kind of like, this is my position. And then John's like, "Hey, perfect." He uh, sends Linda over to the rest of the Marines, as well as the the night the the crew that's rolling with Petrov. Keep an eye on them. 
he informs Kelly that they're going to go toward Fred. And Fred's like, y'all, I'm, I'm really fine. It's not a big deal. And then John's like, I'm not asking you, dog. It's an order. So Fred's like, Roger that. So they uh they pull up on him. And Fred is like, he's he's he could tell Fred's trying to be a little sassy about it. He's standing there, hands on his hips, and he's like, Do I have permission to to walk? And then little fucking shithead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the that's the that's the beauty of it, right? They have these moments and then it's uh it's go time. Cause then Petrov immediately hops on the comms. Because uh, Fred actually decided to kind of go in and, and uh, he tries to sell them on the idea of like, listen, there were kids there and they were riding on mechanical spiders. And then just to recap everything that this man has been through in the, in the last, what, 10 hours, 10, 12 hours, they, they completely lost a mission. He has been bombed by a nuke. They're on a planet that is super hostile to them. Uh, clearly, they are going through heat stroke. Some of them insomnia. The uh, the native still haven't slept. So he's trying to sell them on the idea of like, listen, we need to go back there. Even if the kids aren't alive, that spider machine might be useful. Yeah, and hell, and 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 low key, he's trying to pitch them to be like, we really need to go back and rescue the kids, but that's when immediately Petrov hops on the comms and she's like, "Yo, fuck them kids. We yeah. have uh the the Wheatley, the the UNC, I think Mary Wheatley is what it's called. The Pelicans are on the way to evac them, and she's like, we gotta go." And then John immediately agrees with her. He's like, yeah, because you just, you literally have just seen mirages. And Fred says, listen, dog, it's not a mirage. It's literally a kilometer away. Half a half kilometer. kilometer. Yes, yeah, excuse that. me. Only half a kilometer away. Thank you. And like I said, he's like, listen, even if the kids aren't alive, maybe we can use the spider machine. And John is, John is like low key getting fed up. And he's like, man, like, are you listening to yourself? He's like, the things you are saying does not make any freaking sense. Kids on a spider machine. Right. And Linda's getting upset, too. And Linda's like, dude, it's a thick ass atmosphere. It's hot as shit. Like trying to like tell Fred like you saw a mirage, like trying to reason with him. Like she's even kind of like getting worried about Fred. Yeah, they're concerned for his mental being, especially with the crowd they've been hanging with. But it gets even wilder because mm-hmm. John gives this man a history lesson. He's like, dude, he's like, do you understand what you're saying? He's like, man, he's like, first you, you, you mentioned this bridge and how this bridge looks older than the colony here. He's like, outer colony, like out, the outer colonies didn't begin, didn't begin getting colonized until 2412. So the, and that first colony is Alluvian. So Alluvian is considered to be the start of human expansion into the outer colonies. It's got a tropical feel, tons of oceans. There was terraforming involved as well as after the terraforming, there was like a, a bit of a, um, a, an aggressive tidal wave, some would say, and then it actually forced the, the population to move more inward on the planet. But the fun fact about this little history lesson that John gave him 
Alluvian is the planet that's used for Warzone map, Escape from Ark, and then the Assault map, Dispatch, in Halo 5. Oh. Wait, the, the original Warzone? Mm-hmm. That would be the next Russia, um, which is actually uh, the, the area that was uh, in Georgia that was invaded by Russia a couple years ago, which is currently under siege right now during the the Russia and Ukraine war at the moment. I actually know a lot about that town. Um, that town itself, like the airport itself, is it's has always been mapped and very famous for mapping out maps. So yeah, I, I believe that. That's pretty cool. I did not know that. Yeah, man. So that that's a that's a fun little fun little nod from from Troy. But you know, in the in the dates on that, it kind of proves John's point too of like. Because if what Fred is saying, what he's saying, like that's barely enough time for them to have discovered Netherop, let alone for somebody to have built a highway, have it like structured to last for so long, and then completely forget about the highway. Yeah, yeah, that's um. He says that that would be a hundred and fourteen years ahead of yep. when minimum, minimum. Yeah. But little do we know what it really is. Yeah, because I mean, Denning kind of shows the hand, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> no worry, it'll make sense, y'all. In, in in a couple, it'll make sense. But this is when Fred finally, like, I I appreciate this moment because Fred checks John real hard. He's like, "Yo, you know what?" He's like, "Irregardless of anything I'm saying, like, even if it's not connected, you haven't given me a good reason to look, uh, to to not look." Yeah, what do we have to lose? The man's got a point, and it and it, it's funny how it comes back in chapter ten. This this little scenario. So, John's like, you know what? Fine, you got five minutes. And then Fred starts pushing his luck like the greatest showman, and he's like, no, I want ten. And then Petrov comes out of nowhere and says, "Homeboy, you got four minutes because we're not gonna make the Pelicans wait." Right, and they're not evacuating from the planet. They plan on taking the pelicans to the uh, to the drop site, right? To where because their whole mission here is to investigate that quote unquote downed covenant ship, right? So if if you guys remember from the John's having a bad day um, episode, the the battle on Mesra when they were they were rolling out or completing the mission, they got a little uh, delayed, and that fucked them up. In the sense of they missed their window to to dip out because that's when they got swarmed by a ton of banshees and um, stealth corvettes and whatnot. So and and then essentially they had to ignite the ship, and that's where we are in that. But just a quick little recap there. And uh, the, the actually the Battle of Mesra gets brought up a lot of times in this chapter, right? And then from there, they they start making their way, and as and when they get to the excuse me so what they do is they hop out of the culvert john fred and kelly are making their moves right they start making their way and they make it to the rim of the gulch of where they found fred and essentially john's like all right there is nothing but sand mounts here he's like the entire mountainside is either swept under the this large amount of dust or it's like swept bare by the shock wave 
And then on top of that, there's a giant fog of, of dust or a brown sky. So even the visibility is terrible right now. So essentially, John's like, all right, no dice. Even the, the forgotten bridge that Fred brought up in the, in the last chapter and in the last episode is, is mostly covered for the most part. So as John is surveilling that, he immediately gets blinded by Fred blowing right by him. And he is sliding down the mountainside to like get into those sand mounts. And they made it there in 30 seconds. They they will they actually end up blowing more time looking than them getting there. So Fred's like something might have gotten buried. And I have three minutes because essentially John was trying to protest, like, yo, there really isn't nothing here, we gotta go. Fred's like, nah, I got my three minutes, we're looking. And, and then John's like, fuck it. It'll take me longer to explain why we shouldn't look than if we just fucking looked. So so he motions everybody over to start fucking looking. And then on top of that, yo, he is like, I know for a fact right now that this man is not thinking straight. Like, John is 100% sure that Fred might be a little bit of a liability. So from there, they, they keep moving around and they get back to the uh, forgotten highway part of this dust and they start scanning the slope where the spider machine could have been right where the explosion was but it is literally just a massive pile of dust john's kind of surveilling and he's like man i he's like i don't see anything that looks like a spider and then he sees fred jump immediately into like the dust pile like completely disappears so, and anybody who's worried about him being able to breathe, the armor literally has a oxygen tank. So, he is good. He can be down there for hours, no trouble. He got it all figured out. Bro, Halsey is a genius. Never. The only true shit we've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, but... My man jumps into action. He actually has to slowly move, and he turns on the motion sensors on the armor, so that way if he collides with anything, it'll indicate to him. And once again, like Brandon stated earlier, as much as John wants to wring my man's neck and be like, this is dumb, and we're wasting time, he's like, F it. And he looks at Kelly, and Kelly's like, dog, you, you have gone mad. And he's like, let's give it a try. But let's, what's the worst that could happen? So they also hop in their respective dust piles and they start moving slowly with the motion trackers. Eventually, John's HUD lets them know they got 94 seconds before the evac arrives. And sadly, nothing turns up. They do not find anything. So they get out of their respective sand piles. They start making their way back to the culvert where... The Marines are, the crew of the Night Watches, as well as Petrov. As they're approaching the culvert, they hear a giant boom. And John immediately looks up to see where the a, um, an orange ball is like blossoming in the middle of the sky. He said the ball stretched into a plume inside the brown overcast and dropped out of the clouds it was like originally like a fleck but when he zoomed in it was one of the evac pelicans yo <laughs> he, 
And the worst part was, yo, it had four banshees riding right behind, just raining plasma. So it's not, it's not, everything's not that grim just yet because it's actually a giant dog fight. So John sees the pelican first drop in, being chased by four banshees. And then um, there are the ships called uh, base lards. So they actually drop in behind them. And for anybody who's played the games or any anybody who's um read the novels or anything, so they're the like the the Battlestar Galactica fighter ships of Halo. Um they carry they carry two archer missiles. They rock a pair of M2056 30 millimeter rotator cannons that are effective at great distances. And it actually has you can actually replace some parts on there for any um stealth missions for camouflage as well. So they can kind of turn into stealth fighters. I believe they were first introduced in Halo Reach, actually. Let me look. While you're doing that, just for anybody who doesn't know how big a 30 millimeter round is, if like an unfired round of of, of a 30 millimeter measures to be about 10 and a half inches like from tip to base and it's about an, an inch and three quarters thick in diameter okay and also just to clarify it is halo reach but it is mentioned only in the master chief collection oh they also weigh half a pound each over half a pound each 0.66 that's a heavy is it big enough is it big enough um, to break a hole uh, so in your body? I'm looking at one compared to a 50 millimeter, and it makes a 50 millimeter BMG look like. Um, you ever seen that 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 <laughs> that advertisement, that porn advertisement of that chick, the redhead chick who's holding up that that one smaller girl against the wall? It looks like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what it's doing to that 50 millimeter round. <laughs> if you know, you know. Everybody's seen that somewhere. Freaking! Or, or you've watched, watched the, the actual, actual thing. thing. Yo, that means my man got a subscription. Who <laughs> paying for that? <laughs> He's using the uh, the crypto zoo coins to pay for it. <laughs> Drown his sorrows. I'm gonna take this picture. And I'm gonna create that meme now, and it's gonna be put on the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Anywho, but yeah. oh man, I'm tired. I'm tired of the office notes. Please, if y'all quit fucking up, I'll, I'll stop putting out memos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of it, Brandon. We're not gonna take I it. I dare you to bring me to court. To <laughs> and explain to them and explain to them the things I'm telling you not to do. And now it's <laughs> it's limiting your creativity. <laughs> Who's the dude who got fired for that? <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, you're gonna send me. We're gonna we're gonna find uh, Tubin. Y'all, I said basically said don't be Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're still we're on gonna June be here 7. for a while. This is all in the same day. This is this. Oh, is we've crazy. only gone uh, like four minutes. <laughs> well, I know, I know where I know. I see, like I, I know where we are. Like it's like this all happened yeah, in one day so far. For a while. It's it's like I told Brandon earlier. Like the it's the a, book a long day for these guys. Dude, it feels like a D and D round. Yeah. 
D and D rod waiting for the guy to come back from taking a piss. <laughs> Yo, yes, that's a great. <laughs> so here's the problem, right? So you immediately you see this pelican kind of falling out of the sky. Petrov gets a joke. Oh, Petrov immediately jumps on the line and she's like, "Yo, y'all need to get back here asap." In typical Spartan two fashion, John, no sweat, no rush, no sense of urgency. We'll be there because while that whole thing went down, they were already sprinting back. And he's like, no worries. But as they were kind of like uh, skimming their way across the field, John kind of had some concerns. He's like, I'm pretty sure the Pelican isn't going to survive this. And that's when the, the scenery or the, 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 the move or the, the story moves over to the dogfight. They're saying the clouds were full of plasma attacks and missile strikes that it looked like it was a lightning storm that was sweeping in through the brown sky. And then the other thing that didn't reassure him was that they were literally being rained on with streams of like Banshee and then the base lard uh, metal parts just landing on the land and on them. For a moment, we get some more team banter. Um, Linda and Kelly start talking about how the hell it is they have so many banshees kelly's thinking they got stealth corvettes and they got like a bunch of them hidden that's just dropping banshees but john immediately interrupts them and he tells them like listen doesn't matter we need to focus on the banshees we're dealing with now and the reason why he he kind of like changes their focus or has them focus more on the mission at hand is because mercer was such a disaster because they think that the the covered excuse me the aliens he thinks that they they the humans think that the aliens strategize like humans and because of that thinking that's why they had such major losses at MRSA earlier in the day but before he can kind of like you know really dig in and and think on that theory the pelican is already is is it drops out of the sky right so it kind of appears in front of them a little bit more better visibility. And the four Banshees are still on it. Um, two more base lords drop in and actually start providing some cover fire for the Pelican. But it's in vain because then literally two more Banshees drop behind them and start raining plasma on them and they actually connect. So essentially it was the Pelican Four Covenant Banshees, two more Base Lards, and then another two Covenant Banshees. Well, as the Base Lards are going down, one's losing thrust, the other one is getting engulfed in smoke. They pull the Tom Brady, or the Eli Manning, if you like to call it, and they go for the Hail Mary, and they launch their Archer Missiles. The problem with the Archer Missiles when they blew up, it blew up everything. They said everything blew up into a single fire cloud that poured steady rain of flame drop and fluttering metal. So their ride is gone. They're not going anywhere. And mind you, they have wounded they have people who are suffering from heat strokes that are dehydrated. 
um, radiation poisoning, I would probably say. And they still have two banshees to deal with in the aftermath of that dogfight. And it looks like they're going for a strafing run on the Forgotten Highway. Because at the end of the day, it's not enough for them that they won. They think differently. Because if it was humans, after that shit blew up, everybody would have peaced out. But no, the aliens are still there and they are making sure that they are picking everybody off. So John whips out the BR-55 and my man does the dynamic, you know, John Wick spin. He takes a knee. And then he literally utters Linda's name. And she's like, I already see him. And in the book, because of the the brown sky that they currently have from all the dust from the explosion, it says that the uh, the ships, they look like black stars or dark stars flying through the sky. And then Alinda immediately shoots one round from her sniper rifle. And she sends one banshee ship wobbling, then it begins tumbling, and then it eventually turns into a fiery pinwheel. And I do want to stop there because I actually got some more facts. So the SRS-99, the sniper rifle, when Dorian Halo reaches a multiplayer beta, the scope used to have the ID Noble 6, and then that was taken out. And then in in the level uh, Nightfall for Halo Reach, the sniper rifle has more rounds, and that's a tribute to the level Truth and Reculation, excuse me, Truth and uh, Reconciliation from Halo Combat Involved, where you get a larger number of rounds as well. So there's a little shout-out about the sniper rifle in this chapter. Okay, because I just sent a whole bunch of stuff in the chat. Do you do you know what the what the caliber is of that sniper rifle? Man, that is a wonderful question, and I just looked at the chat. Oh, good lord! Because the first thing I'm thinking, if if the shot is being made, and one sh- one shot is is making it weak enough to wobble and then eventually blow up, what is the caliber of that of of the sniper rifle? Brandon, don't reveal the size of the bullet yet. We're gonna take a break. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you got to work, you're getting home, you're about to eat, you're about to hang out, we'll pause here and then we'll come back and we'll uh, try to wrap up the tactical retreat. See you soon. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We missed you. Lies. We didn't. We know you haven't been sharing our links. We know. And leave a review. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. We love you. I'm even partial to the reviews right now. Mm. Or a voice message. Ooh, we need more of those. Send us some love. Yeah, we need a lot more of those. We want to hear your beautiful voice. We want to hear those singing voices. All right, focus, focus. So, y'all, if y'all remember, John has taken his action dynamic pose, and he is already eyeing, he's eyeing down the two banshees. 
what John proceeds to do is he, he lines up the shots with his BR. He puts the BR in full auto, by the way. And he starts shooting at it, right? Fred and Linda immediately copy John's same move and, and the same strategy. They're essentially not shooting at the Banshee, but what they're doing is they're shooting at the air in front of the Banshee. So essentially with all their BRs, they've pretty much made a giant wall of bullets. So regardless of where the Banshee flies in on the strife run, it's getting hit with bullets. And then they actually, uh, you know, some bullets don't make it. Some bullets are just kind of bumping off the nose of the Banshee, but some actually penetrate through. And as John is getting ready to reload his BR for round two, here's two sonic like two sonic bullets whizzing by straight from linda and she takes out the uh the banshee the banshee actually um ends up falling in one of the massive dust piles that's on the bridge and in that collision it like it throws up about 20 meters of dust into the air so everybody's covered visibility is completely gone um, the Banshee does eventually explode and then the shrapnel starts coming and somebody yells out heads up and John's assuming that it's a big piece. So he's actually getting ready to dodge, but it's tiny little pieces until something gets caught in his shoulder pauldron. So they kind of shrug it off. I don't, I don't know what it is. He actually, the, the thing actually falls out of uh, John's pauldron. He actually goes and picks it up. And he sees that the metal piece that hit him is a strut. But it's a metal piece that he's never seen anything. He's never seen anything like it before. He kind of thinks about Fred's assumption that it's the spider machine, but doesn't dwell on it too long. He grabs it, the dust clears, and they start making their way back to the culvert. So as they're making their way back, guess who happens to pull up right next to him? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say... <laughs> that is a wonderful assumption. And and sir, you are correct. Yeah. And Fred, complete yo, full New Yorker. He's like, my guy, where did you find that? <laughs> What's that you got there, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> and then John, like the band the banter on this team is like dry British humor. Because John's response is, it fell on me. That's it. It just fell on me. And then from there, yo, Fred goes like gold rush, 49ers, loses his mind. He's like, bro, I cannot believe your luck. That's the spider leg. That's the leg. And yo, Kelly is done. Kelly's like, yo, <laughs> are you not over this damn <laughs> spider machine and kids? Yo, like, yo, she is fed up. And he's like, listen. If we actually go toward where the Banshee exploded, he's like, listen, we got nine more struts of these. And then John has to grab him and reel him back into reality. He's like, I need you to take a look over there. And you can see in the in the culvert, you see Petrov, and she, she is not having a good time with what she just saw explode. And then behind her, you see the night crew of the ship that got blown up. They're all just 
on the ground sitting looking at the at the floor their their heads aren't even up they're just down and then the worst part of all of that all the marines who are behind petrov they're all in a literal daze of what they just witnessed they pretty much saw their only way of going home completely just gone evaporate and they're still near like the fallout zone of a nuclear bomb and then fred's like oh yes we need to go help the heat casualties and then kelly has to remind them dog that's not casualties that's our backup squad that's the cavalry yo and then fred responds with on this hell world it's the same thing and then john's like listen just try to be positive about the whole situation we're gonna make the best that we can with the situation right they go ahead they start making their way over to to the teams they see that linda's kind of already gotten started linda's actually making makeshift shade camps for all the soldiers so that way they can kind of avoid the sun since it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter um as well as john lets fred know listen these people are dazed they're dehydrated they are tired they are hurt they're suffering heat stroke heat strokes they're suffering burns do not bring up these kids in the spider machine he's like they're way too confused and i don't want to confuse them anymore <laughs> well i mean john's a little confused at this point too because something else that happened like when they first started walking up to petrov so on their backs are like a magnetic linking and that's where they usually store their rifles and stuff right is just they just clip it onto their back via magnets when john went to put the spider leg on his back it he let go of it and it just fell it didn't attach oh remember that was fred fred was trying to attach it was it fred it was fred because mm -hmm. he in his excitement he took it from john and he was trying to attach it and then oh, that's yeah, when fred. um mm -hmm, john had to be like yo focus we got to help these people right remember john's biggest thing is nobody gets left behind yeah so i mean essentially so this weird leg thing is just non-ferrous which means in layman's terms there's there's no iron in it it's non-iron and it's non-steel and everything that the uh, humans and the unsc and the colleges <laughs> use has iron dum 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 so are they kids i don't know children of the corn <laughs> exactly children of the dust children of the plasma i like children of the dust children of the dust it actually sounds children like a badass children. book title honestly <laughs> all right but hold that note right because uh it's everybody's favorite time of the book john goes to talk with petrov yeah our favorite this, this person is, this is the best time of the book and, and John, I know you've been listening for a minute, so you know that this woman's track record on decisions is very questionable. So, as John is approaching her, my man takes a look at her face, and he says it is drier, or as I like to say, hella dry. It's more flushed. And, like, she has such a frowned brow, he knows that she's having a real bad headache. And I feel like John wants to tell her she needs some cocoa butter. He immediately tells her, um, you know, hey, I don't think there's any more casualties. I don't, I don't, excuse me. He tells her, I don't see any new casualties. And 
she she doesn't even acknowledge the fact that he's been there for X amount of time. She's like still staring out into this dust wasteland, watching their only hopes of escaping this nuclear fallout disappear in a, in a giant orange puff. And then she looks at him. John is like, man, when's the last time you had a drink? And she's like, stares this child in his armor and is like, are you trying to change the subject? And I would be honest, when I read that part in the book, I had to read it about three, four times because I thought I completely skipped something. I right. thought I, I read it wrong so many times. And all I had to do was read the next line. So, little fun fact for chapter nine. But, and so she, so Petrov looks this man in the eyes and is like, are you trying to change the subject? And John's like, I didn't know there was one. And she reminds him the casualties, John. But given their current circumstances and what's just occurred, they need to move on to more pressing things. So she actually immediately follows that up with, hey, how far is the lucky break from here? And John's like, the lucky break and he, he you know she's like she gives him a nod like i'm not gonna repeat myself it's about 51 kilometers also uh 50 51 kilometers is about 30 miles by the way for the americans and then from there she goes on to ask your suits can they uh can they survive anywhere Oh, excuse me. Actually, and one important thing, there's an interesting thing about crows that happens here. Um, when John tells her that it's 51 kilometers away, he actually says that it's 51 kilometers as the crows flies. And Petrov looks at him and she's like, do you think a crow could survive in a place like this? And in John fashion, he looks this woman in the eyes and he's like, I've never seen one. Now, this is a very big point in their in their relationship in the book. She actually responds to him in a gentle voice. And she's been a smart ass to him the whole time. She responds gently to him. I suppose you haven't. And trust me, no crow can survive here. And neither can we. So at this point, yo, she is admitting defeat. She's pretty sure they are not about to get off this rock. And it's funny, in this kind of moment of weakness she's having, John even contemplates telling her about the Phantom Kids and the spider machine that Fred keeps talking about. But regardless, John doesn't, he doesn't crack. He tries to actually reassure her that they're going to make it out. He's like, listen, you saw me bring the tubs of water. He's like, I got a reclamation tool, so, you know, we'll try to keep everybody hydrated and as healthy as possible, right? And she's like, absolutely, because you're going to leave those things with us. And she's like, based on your files, I know you have a reclamation system in your armor. And that, and that armor, that system, you can survive in any environment. And then John being John is like, I'm not leaving you guys behind. 
Not going to happen. That's John's biggest thing. That's his biggest Achilles heel. If you're on a mission with John, you are going home whether you like it or not. She tells him, you're being stupid right now. You're being daft. She's like, you're going to leave us. You're going to leave us behind because that's the only way this mission is going to get done. And then John actually tries to puff his chest out and he's like, listen, I don't mean to be, I don't, I don't mean no offense. And everybody knows if you're, you're adding no offense, you're being offensive. We're already on the ground. He's like, so your decision doesn't count. And then on top of that, he tells her, I don't even think you're thinking straight right now. And then immediately she does something for the first time not seen throughout the book. She claps back at she claps back at him with facts. So she asks him instead of, you know, trying to fight him about it. Well, and she does, let me rephrase that. She says, you know what? I may not be thinking straight, but I'm drink I'm thinking straighter than you. And she's like, How fast can four Spartans travel over fifty kilometers, right? How fast can they cover it? And remember, this is thirty one miles. John's like, you know, depending on terrain and whatnot. And then she 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 stops and she's like, first of all, you need to stop dodging the questions. You know I already know. She's like, I know you average 20 kilometers in an hour. So that means you'll be there in two and a half and sooner if the terrain is good. Also, quick fun fact. Uh, fastest uh, miles per hour for a human is 27 and a half miles. That's insane. Yeah, 27 and a half miles per hour. But how long was that sustained? But how long was that sustained? That is the wonderful quote. That is the wonderful thing you mentioned. That's exactly. It was by um, Usain Bolt, and it was just wow. after the midpoint of the 100-meter dash. He would be... He would be breaking speed laws in some places. Yeah. A human being, no augmentations. I, I would probably argue some mutations. The kids are covering this while wearing a thousand pound armor. Well, yeah, but the armor is also assisting them there. Yeah, there's some, some generators and stuff. But remember, this is like the Iron Man armor. If they sneeze the wrong way, it can kill them. It's like an exoskeleton where it where it does all the work for you. Well, most of the work for you. Just a little hard in it. There's a it's a little hard in that Tin Man suit. Yeah. But yeah, that was a little fun fact I wanted to drop on y'all. Well, needless to say, she shuts him up and she's like, "Listen, if it depends on terrain, and you're like, there is no good terrain right now, that means if it's bad for you, it's terrible for us." Big O de facto. Mm-hmm. And she she even tells him, all right, genius, if you think you can do it with us, she's like, Ca- calculate the rate of us moving all the injured, moving equipment, moving people with constant stops. John optimistically is like, maybe two kilometers, really probably only one kilometer. For the first time in this book, she got John. And she straight up tells him, she's like, listen, she's like, you guys can make it there in a few hours. She's like, when you get there, complete the mission. And then she's like, whatever you can find, ship, 
baseball, car, canoe. If that can get us off the planet, come get us. Even as much as John wants to fight her on it and, and tell her like it's not gonna happen, he's like, listen, you can't drag 30 bodies behind you to this to this place. It's not gonna happen. And John and John low-key admits for the first time that she's actually starting to make sense. Doesn't even give her the full W. She's just starting to make sense. So she straight up tells them the the Whitley's Pelicans are coming. The, excuse me, the Whitley is still in the same landing zone that they plan to arrive at in the original um, extraction. And it's only five kilometers away from the lucky break. And what they're doing is they're just strictly doing recon and observing the lucky break before the Spartan team was to, to arrive. She also informs him that to increase his odds when he gets there, he has full control of the security team. And John politely asks her, given his current track member track record, excuse me, with other military uh, branches and members, he wants to know what are they, what happens if they don't want to help him. She says they'll do whatever you want, and if they don't, make them. So she pretty much give him the green card to be like, get it done regardless of what it takes. And then the chapter ends with her finally saying or pushing him actually toward blue team and telling him you got 10 hours to complete this mission and no more. And that's what we're going to end the episode. <laughs> Just right there. That's it. They're on the clock 10 hours and it really gets worse. Oh yeah. This is the, yeah, this is where it starts. <laughs> it gets worse. yo. <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to say that if that if the TV show or a cinematic universe would get it right, that scene uh between Petrov and John 117 would be a great cinematic scene. Like that like even if like some like college uh school with a bunch of you know enthusiasts for Halo would do a, that scene specifically, I think it would look really good on film. It's a simple scene, but it's such a deep scene. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, because you know what's at risk. Like she's she's already lost hope. She has given up hope. She's like, there's a she knows she's like ninety five percent of us ain't making it out of this. And it's it's kind of her finally being vulnerable with John. And maybe a little with him with the way that he responded. A little bit, yeah, because he didn't. He kind of you know? couldn't tolerate her for a while. Absolutely, you know, and it, and it actually kind of seems like. You know that with with the uh, with him saying you're almost making or you're starting to make sense, um, I, that that leads like you know there's a tr there is a, more of a trust there, uh, you know m more than a vulnerability, a more like you know now there's starting to be some kind of like you know brotherhood type energy going on, like you know we got you, you know that because you know the, in the military never leave a brother behind, so that whole notion is gonna is gonna run with john too so i i that's a very powerful scene right there mm -hmm. very cool very cool and i think the last part doesn't get talked about it actually plays well into mendez's thing of being open and and, and open to those variables with your code of conduct because essentially he has to leave them to come back for them so it's an interesting take on, on watching john adjust to that 
sometimes I do have to leave you behind to make sure you I get you home. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the end of the story, and we're gonna leave you on another cliffhanger. Yeah, we still got. I mean, that should be it for the setup, kind of, because next chapter everything starts picking back up again. Um, next the the next episode is gonna be titled Vindication. Right. That that's gonna be the name of the next episode is Vindication. I'm not gonna say whom, but obviously Petrov, because we love her and she deserves it. <laughs> and she's she's having a low point right now. She needs a hug. No, she doesn't. Fuck her. Hey man, she had she had the uh, the uh, excuse me the for your considerations emotional movement. I don't like her. <laughs> I'm just saying, what, dog. Does one good deed erase a hundred bad? I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyway, saying... no, nah, I think uh, I think that was a good one. Um, this episode should be airing uh, this weekend, and then make sure you guys check out the Discord. Come and hang out with us. We usually do a lot of cool, cool guy stuff there, uh, along uh, mostly dork stuff. But there's some cool guy stuff that happens in there. And then we also have our website, youmeandlore.com. Check that out. Uh, you can get details pretty much about everything we do. Uh, our episodes also go there, as well as there's a little extra, some extra stuff. You can. It's easier to sort and check things out on the website. So if you only want like Death Stranding, you can just make it so way it only plays Death Stranding in a row. Uh, you can sort it by if you only want the pre-shows, you can only listen to the pre-shows. Whatever you want to do, you can sort it however you want. That's also where you'll find an option to send us a voice message. Again, if you don't want to, uh, if you want to remain anonymous, just don't say your name. Or uh, if you do say your name, whatever, just know if you don't want the clip to air, just say on there like, hey, you know, please don't, please don't air me live. And we won't do it. Um, but yeah, if you guys leave us voicemails, we'll put your questions in the episode. Because if you have a question, there are probably hundreds of other people who also have the question but are too afraid to ask. So don't be afraid to send us that message. I was going to say give clean Jamie work to do. That's yeah. important. Yeah, we just we just got this guy. We're going to make him work. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then make sure you follow us up on social media. Uh, if you put you, me, and Laura into anything, we'll come right up. So. Yeah. Oh, also, by the way, I'm just going to drop them. Y'all, y'all can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Pandora. Oh, we are Pandora, mm-hmm. Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Find us everywhere, baby. Yeah, we're, we're, we're podcast worldwide. Yeah, uh, we are not accepting. Uh, I know I put it out on the Discord server for our followers, but just to put it out here, we are no longer accepting uh, donations or paid subscribers or any of that. Uh, we were kind of getting to a point where we were, we weren't doing it, but the road was there to follow the money instead of following the product. So we have turned all those off. We don't have a Patreon or anything either. Um, this is just, we're, we're focusing on our craft right now and we don't want to start chasing dollar signs. We want to keep chasing material. Uh, so if you were a paid subscriber and you noticed something went awry, don't worry. Uh, nothing happened at your bank. We, we stopped your payment. First of all, thank you for paying us. That was super awesome. Thank you so much. But uh, yeah, we we just want to focus on content at the moment. Get the grind, you know, get the grind going. So yeah, the number one thing you guys can do for us is just tell a friend. That's it. 
uh, we've spread back since my error a few weeks ago of reorganizing everything. We've spread back to 10 countries already in record time. <laughs> so thank you. Um, it's, it's amazing. Uh, we have probably, I know everybody says this, but uh, we have an awesome community. Thank you guys so much. Couldn't be here without you. And keep sticking tuned for more Halo and Death Stranding. Oh, and then we're doing the fan vote soon. It should be up next week. We'll be having the fan vote of what game the fans are going to pick for us to do. So join the Discord if you want to vote on that. Very, very hard choices ahead. Yeah, hard there, choices were some, made today. Yeah, some. it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Thanks, everybody, for coming out, and see you next time. Later, y'all. Peace. Hey, thank you for listening, everyone. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher uh, to stay up to date on all things lore. Also, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to leave feedback and make suggestions on what series to do next. You Me and Lore is an original podcast written and produced by Brandon Weiner and Kenny Gomez. We do not own the rights to any of the artistry. All rights are owned by their respective companies. Sound and editing by... Kenny Gomez and Brandon Weiner. Intro composed and played by Achilles Amistat. Transitions and outro composed and played by Sam Gibbs. Both can be found on Fiverr.com. For inquiries, information, and feedback, please visit You, Me, and Lore on Facebook or email us directly at youmeandlore at gmail. Bye-bye.